0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeart Radio. What do you think a miracle is, Mitch? A miracle
1: very simply put is something that is a radical departure from all natural expectation, an occurrence that breaks away from everything that you could naturally and reasonably expect to arise from circumstances. And I've experienced miracles in my own life, the very fact that you and I are talking. You know, I didn't start writing my own books until I was into middle age. I am currently 52 years old, and my career did not take off until I was in my 40s, and that didn't happen by accident. There was a mental picturing. There was a visualization. Mm -hmm. There was an affirmation, as well as a lot of sweat equity. But I do believe if you can define a miracle as a radical departure from circumstance, miracles do occur today.
0: Hence the subtitle of the book, which is How Thoughts Become Reality. And you're, you're a very strong believer in that, aren't you?
1: I really am. And you know, it's funny, if you actually take a look at your life, sometimes there is a long interval, sometimes there is a long gestation period between a thought and the event. But if, if, if listeners really sit back and survey their lives, they will find an uncanny congruency between things that they've thought about and things that have
0: happened to them, Mitch, have you found that people who dabble with the dark side tend to do some of the similar things that the uh, positive people do, but that something always goes awry for them?
1: Well, it's an interesting question. You know, we face these ethical questions of how to use our powers all the time in life. You know, a person could be completely materialist; he or she could be an atheist, and they still face ethical questions every single day about whether they're treating other people fairly and honorably if you take seriously as I do that our minds have these extra physical capacities that responsibility becomes all the more that responsibility becomes that much stronger my contention is that however we may feel buffeted by the winds and the currents of life we are much more powerful than we think we are we have a hand in events mentally, and, and often this shows up in ways that we don't suspect. So my message is also be careful, be careful, because what you're thinking about absolutely has a practical dimension on your life and on the lives of others.
0: I had Uri Geller on before you came on, and he's, uh, he was in Israel, and of course great mentalist, and he was telling us a story at how he was commissioned to help the Brits in a soccer match against Scotland, and over the stadium they put him in a helicopter, and uh, he was supposed to influence the ball. And uh-huh. and I guess when uh, when the Scottish kicker was going for the ball, Uri mentally moved it, and the guy uh-huh. missed it or something like that. No,
1: kidding. Now, here's a story about Uri. He's an old uh, uh, family friend, and He was over at the household of my brother-in-law, Ivan's, when Ivan was 15 years old. And Ivan expressed all kinds of skepticism, and Uri said to him, do me a favor, Ivan, go into your bedroom and draw a picture. And so Ivan went in his bedroom, drew a picture, came out, and Uri said, you drew a house. And Ivan was shocked and said, that's absolutely what he drew.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know Edgar Mitchell, the late astronaut, when he was on our program, was talking about a tie clasp episode. He had a NASA tie clasp. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, or, or tie pin, and he lost it. He couldn't find it, and mm-hmm. he was telling Uri about it. And out of the sky, just out of nowhere, they heard a ping, and it was the tie clasp that that fell on the ground and came out of nowhere. The oh, other yeah. part of it, the the part that clasps into the the pointed end of it, yeah, was in Uri's ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> he almost swallowed it. I mean, it's amazing these abilities. Like to have been there for that. Just amazing. But back to these miracles, and when we take calls next hour, I'd like for people to share miracle stories with you, Mitch, if we can. But back to the dark side of it, and I don't want to dabble on the dark end too much. No, happy to. But, you know, people dabble in the dark side. They curse other people. They put hexes on other people. And in a lot of cases, those things happen to these people. Yeah. How, yeah. C- how come then the dark side has that kind of power?
1: Well, it, it represents something that's in us. You know, we we, we, we are beings of, of, of a broad spectrum, and my contention is that thoughts are causative. And whether you are using your thoughts through a spell, or whether you're using your thoughts through a ritual, or whether you are projecting thoughts at other people, something's going to happen. There is going to be some effect. However, one of my favorite teachers, Neville Goddard, a great teacher in the mind power tradition, teaches that the only way that you can project a negative spell or thought onto another person is if that person could wish the same thing for someone else, is if that person could wish the same thing for someone else. If he or she could not, it rebounds to you. So in a certain sense, what we grew up calling the golden rule is protection, against evil forces. And I want people to listen to that very carefully, because we are apt to overlook familiar things. We are apt to overlook simple things. If you are concerned about negative forces in your life, the Golden Rule can serve as an enormous source of protection. There's an esoteric and occult dimension to the Golden Rule that we don't always appreciate.
0: Well, that's absolutely true. Now, why do our thoughts shape the reality of what happens?
1: This is my contention in the book, and I felt I really had to put myself out there and come up with a theory of positive thinking. I'm going to be very brief about it. Across all kinds of sciences, from psychical research to quantum theorizing, we have made the determination over the past 80 years that time is not what we think it is. Linear time is basically a very powerful illusion that we use to organize our lives, and it's a necessary illusion. But if it's an illusion, it means that we are selecting events all the time from across an infinitude of possibilities. So I don't use the term manifest, I use the term select. And you can select events under the right circumstances with an exquisitely focused and emotively charged thought. And that's what's going on. We are selecting in the same way that when you take a measurement in the particle lab, your very decision to take that measurement will affect what you experience. The same is true in outer life.
0: Can you use these powers to affect your health?
1: without question. And and I have to emphasize that we live under lots of laws and forces. Uh, one of them is the law of physical decline, one of them is the law of mortality. There's never been an exception to that. But one must never feel that you're without devices that you're without tools. In the book I write about extraordinary cases of spontaneous remission of diseases, which doesn't mean that's going to happen to people all the time. I would never extend false hope. But the cases are there, the occurrences are there, and we have to probe and look at these things. Very often they correlate with intensive uh, meditation. People who have meditated three hours a day have recorded instances in the medical literature of remission of diseases. Not all the time, but it has occurred.
0: You say that uh, when you were writing the book uh, something weird happened with the rock uh, band The Monkees.
1: It was a trip, George. Talk about us all being loose in time. A couple of summers ago, I was getting into the music of The monkeys just completely out of the blue and my wife thought i was going nuts my kids were memorizing their lives i would
0: think you were going nuts yes you would think that (laughs) no one could imagine but they have they did have a few good songs
1: they really did they had some beautiful pop songs and and i was playing them all the time i was getting into them everybody thought i was going crazy i couldn't figure out why i was getting into the monkeys George, it was months and months later that I got a call from an editor at the Washington Post who said to me, do you know Mike Nesmith, who was one of the members of the Monkees? I said, no. He said, did you know Nesmith just wrote a memoir? And I said, no. And he said, did you know he was a a Christian scientist, which is a a healing and and mentally based um, form of spirituality? I said, no. He said, well, we'd like you to uh, 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 review Nesmith's uh, memoir for the Washington Post. Are you interested? And I said, of course I'm interested. And I told him this story of how months before, without any forethought about any of this, I started getting into the monkeys. And I actually put this into the review, and the Washington Post, to its credit, included this material. It was just the weirdest thing, that it was almost like retro causality in a way, or as if I was loosed from linear time. This is why I'm saying that time is not what we think it is. I was completely prepared for that opportunity because for reasons that no one could understand, I was getting into the monkeys. But the reason seemed to be off in the future, so to speak. But my contention is it wasn't the future. It's that everything is happening all around us at once, which is why mental focus is so effective.
0: I was uh, 16 when the monkeys started playing was that right Just long long time ago and if i remember one of the members was Mickey dolans that's right who played circus boy on television right that's
1: right and and still touring still touring
0: Mickey yeah Dolenz. they're still going that's true right. yeah. A- absolutely that's, that's i love him <laughs> do you, do you know the name joseph gallenberger by any chance i don't Joseph wrote a couple books, one called Liquid Luck. Oh, of course. I know the
1: book. I know the book. He
0: he would conduct experiments, still does, in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. with groups of people, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to prove that positive thinking and the mind has a lot to do with influencing things that happen. That's right. And and he is totally convinced, and he's convinced me too, that if you go into a situation like Las Vegas, upbeat and, you know, just, you know, positive about things, the odds are really high you're going to win.
1: Yes, and you know what's so fascinating about that is that outlook has been validated by serious ESP research. My hero, J.B. Ryan, pioneered scholarly ESP research at Duke University in the early 1930s. J.B. is now deceased. And one of the things that J.B. found, and he just buried this in the footnote of a book, but it's monumental, That when his subjects in the ESP lab, and these were people tested under very rigorous conditions, when they had a feeling of hopeful expectancy, when they were upbeat, when they were enthusiastic, when they were positive, their scores spiked. When they were bored, when they were downcast, when they were fatigued, their scores dipped. And it was inevitable. Mm -hmm. Dip and spike followed mood. It's the same thing that he says in the book.
0: If you go into a situation, any kind of situation, doesn't have to be Las Vegas, down in, you know, putting that black cloud over your head for whatever reason, it's not going to happen for you.
1: It's not going to happen. And the thing that I always tell people is, and again, this one of these familiar things, but listen very carefully to it. You must really want it. You must really want it. If you're a person whose attitude is neither here nor there about winning in Vegas or the lottery or money or whatever, it's not going to work. It has to be something that you really want, which is why it's so important to maturely identify your most heartfelt desires. There's real power there because the power comes from an emotionally charged